Do we love the Do we love the Word this morning? Yes, sir. Yeah, love worship. I love the communion. I love the tongues and listening to the interpretations. But I also love the Word. The Word of God will build us up and encourage us. And we've had some great words over the weeks. Been blessed just having a rest myself and listening to what others bring. So this morning, let's uh, let's dive into the Word. Jude one. 20 to 21. And yes, good advice. <laughs> uh, but you, beloved, keep on building yourselves up on your most sacred faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and keep yourselves in the love of God as you wait for our Lord Jesus Christ and his mercy to give you eternal life. Jude, the little book, the Lord's brother. But he's very humble in the way he describes himself. He wouldn't think that. But he was the Lord's brother when he was on earth. And uh, we all need good advice, don't we? I don't know about you. I look to YouTube very often. But something stuck with the washing machine. I've no idea about washing machines. Run to YouTube. It'll tell you whatever you need. So many people tell me, oh, I found it on YouTube. And maybe this morning you're looking on YouTube and stumbled across our uh, church service and maybe you're listening and you want some good advice okay with the Lord's help we'll give you some good advice from the scriptures and so Jude is giving his believers at the time the congregation here he was serving good advice and this is part of the scriptural advice that he gives us and there's four points to it that I want to just unpack with God's help um when I got saved back in 81, the advice the church gave us was this. Jesus is coming back. He's coming soon. You need to be ready. Live your life as though he was coming tonight. So that was the advice I got, and it was always good advice. So I lived my life thinking Jesus could come back at any time. I don't want you to come back yet, because oh, I want to get married. and I want. But we never know. Jesus can come back. And some of us say, yes, please come back, Lord, and take us out of this mess. Take us out of all my troubles. But the Lord is saying, Terry, you've got to go through your troubles, and I'm with you. And we've heard that this morning. But we love sound advice, and he gives us great advice. And uh, first of all, he says, beloved. Now, some scriptures say, dear friends. But I like, I've dropped this one in from another translation, probably the King James or the New King James. Beloved. Isn't that a great word? Dearly beloved, we are gathered here this morning. You know, beloved actually means loved. Loved. And so, if you, to get the idea of this beloved, you have to go to verse 19. And there, Jude is talking about scoffers. He's talking about people who have come into the church with weird doctrines. He's, they're coming in to bring division. And he says they have not the spirit of God. They're not of his. And so the contrast is, when he turns to his congregation, he says, beloved, loved ones, loved of the Father, true believers in the faith. Listen, there are so many doctrines coming into the church. You can have sin in the church and it can be dealt with, it can be loved and prayed for, and you can help the person or the people. But doctrine is a different thing. 
It's a poison. Jesus said, watch your doctrine. There's doctrines of men, doctrines of Pharisees, doctrines of demons. And they come into the church. And I tell you one doctrine that is hammering the church today. It's woke. It's the woke doctrine. They're relentless. They're unforgiving. They're pushing and demanding. And they're ever-changing. It's never clear. Woke. Yes, the church has been pulled apart by doctrines of woke. The Methodists are struggling with it. You know, we've got to watch it as the Pentecostal church. If we're not careful, it can creep in. And the world's standards become our standard. And we're afraid to say anything because, oh, maybe this is right. Listen, friends, we've got to come back to the Bible, to the word of God. What does God say? He says a lot of things are wrong. And you have to line up with that and say, just a minute, I can't agree with that. Now that will bring friction and will bring discord. But we have to stand on God's word. And so he says, beloved, the ones that are loved of God. And I can truly say to you this morning, beloved, this is what the Lord wants you to hear this morning from his word. Keep building yourselves up. That's number one. That's what he says firstly. Keep building yourselves up on what? Your most holy or sacred faith. What does that mean? Well, it's separate faith. It's faith that's different. It isn't a wishy-washy faith. It isn't faith that is hit and miss. It's the sacred faith of what we really believe this morning about Christ and who he is. So beloved, the beloved ones. And he says... To the beloved, keep on building yourselves up in this faith. Build your faith. Isn't that true this morning? Build your faith. Strengthen it. Fortify it. I love that word, fortify. Does that mean? It means that you you, you build your fort. You put the ramparts in. Put your foundation down. You put the best boulders in. You get the the spikes sticking out. You're in the defence and he says, build it up, fortify your faith. Why? Because of all this wonky doctrine. If you don't have strong faith, friends, you'll buy into it. So you've got to build and strengthen your faith this morning. We've been having a bit about faith, haven't we? And various aspects of faith. And so, here he says, build up your faith. If you don't, what happens If you don't build your muscles up, what happens? If I haven't been on the shovel for a week and I'm on the trowel and I get back on the shovel, I find it hard. My muscles have deteriorated and weakened and so I find the shovel hard. And when I pick the trowel back up, I think, oh, this is hard. But when I'm flowing with the trowel and I'm laying the bricks, I'm okay. I'm going with it. But when I have to drop back on digging the trenches out, oh, my back's aching, oh, my... Until they get used to it. So friends, build up your faith like a muscle. Strengthen it. Build it up. Last night we had a log fire burning, raging, wasn't it guys? And he was saying, it's too hot here. And so we let it die down. Have you gone too far? Died down too much. Chuck more wood on. Put the wood on, but it wouldn't burn. The power had gone. The, the, the strength of the flame, the heat had gone. So I had to get more fire lighters, chop the little sticks and get the kindling going and then get the bigger fire going. Build your faith, friends. Don't let it die down. 
Because if it dies down, you become weak. And the world will buffet you and Satan will stick the boot in. And you think, well, I'll give up. And maybe I'll stop. I'll stop going to church and my troubles will stop. No, don't. That's a dangerous thought. Because the devil is a dirty fighter. When you're down, he'll keep kicking you. And he'll make things even worse. So the best thing to do is keep going forward. Keep building your faith. Your most holy faith. That precious faith. Again, what is this faith? Is it emotional? No. Is it head knowledge? No. Is it flimsy faith? Hit and miss? No. It's holy faith. What is that holy faith? It is your saving faith. As I said, there are many aspects to faith. But here he's talking about your faith that saved you. It's that saving faith, that believing, grasping who Christ is, what he's done for us on the cross, where he is now seated. Where's Christ seated this morning? You know, if we can just grasp that, he's in heaven, yes, and he's seated where? At the right hand of God, the Almighty, the Father. That means he's co-equal. In power and great glory. God took upon himself flesh, perfect humanity. And there in heaven, now there's a man in the Godhead representing us. Because like Adam, Adam fell. But now there had to be a new Adam, the last Adam, Christ, to represent us. But somehow he's connected in with God. And Christ is now the seated at the right hand of the Father with all power and glory, upholding the universe by the word of his power, and he has all authority, he comes to us and says, all authority has been given to me this morning. Hallelujah. You know, demons don't like that. You read that to people who've got demons in them, all power and authority has been given to me, Jesus said. They'll start quaking and squirming and speaking to you and say, no, no, don't say that. Because he has. And we need to dwell on that. All authority and power is in Jesus this morning. That's our faith we need to build up and dwell on. How do we do that? We need to feed it, friends. How do we feed it? How do I feed my faith? By dwelling on the word. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed. Hallelujah. This word that we preach this morning is God-breathed. Every dot and tittle and full stop, I believe, is God-breathed in the original. And so it's God-breathed, and it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, that the man of God or the person of God may be fully furnished or equipped. That's what the Word of God will do to you as you read it, as you dwell upon it, as you meditate on it, as you, as you think about it, it will equip you, okay? The last thing I want is people coming to work with me or ill-equipped for the building trade. You get the labourers on, they can't even use a shovel. You get the labourers sent to you, they can't mix a compo. They don't know what they're doing. They're ill-equipped. They don't have helmets, they don't have boots, they don't have gloves. And they're standing there. What do we do? Ill-equipped. You've got to be equipped, friends, by the word of God so that you can be furnished, strengthened to carry on and going forward. So that's how you build your faith, by reading the word. Does that make sense to you this morning? Yes. If I want to better my building trade and better my bricklaying or building, yeah, YouTube. <laughs> but I perfect it, and I, I, I learn, and I, I, I want to know more, and I learn off other people. I receive from them and make it better. And so I better my building. So better your Christian walk by building your faith this morning. 1 Peter 2, 3. Like newborn babies, 
crave the spiritual milk so that you may grow thereby. Grow. Do you know business needs to grow? Business needs to grow. Our economy, they're always talking about growth, aren't they? It needs to grow. If it doesn't grow, we end up poor. We end up scratching about and moaning and complaining and striking for more money. So the Bible says we need to grow in our faith, yeah? Otherwise, we'll be scratching about and poor and buffeted about by every trouble and trial that comes our way. But if we're furnished and strengthened with the word of God and our faith is strong, we'll take it and we'll press through it. Okay, and another way that we strengthen our faith is dwelling on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's something that excites me more than anything in Scripture is when I get onto the Lord Jesus. Whenever I see him in Scripture, it excites me. I see him there as a paschal lamb in the Old Testament, and you can do a study on that. You can see him in the burnt offering, fully burnt up, the servant of the Lord. You see Jesus giving his all for us on the cross, the burnt offerings. All speak of Jesus, all Scripture. Bible says... I think the old saying says, all roads lead to Rome, all scripture leads to Jesus. And when we find it, dwell on it. Dwell on him. <laughs> Friends, he's the, he's the rose of Sharon. He's the bright morning star. He's the sun risen with healing in his wings this morning. This is who Jesus says. You find him everywhere in scripture. When Jesus came to the, the disciples walking on the Maus Road, he, he, he expounded the scriptures to them about himself. Starting with Moses. Hallelujah, Jesus is in the scriptures. And when we, they said, didn't our hearts burn within us when he expounded the scriptures to us about himself? Your heart will burn with passion when you read about Jesus and you start to see who he is, this person. Secondly, praying in the power of the Holy Spirit. What kind of prayer is this? Oh, Heavenly Father, we beseech thee. Heavenly Father, would you just move? Is that the kind of prayer that God wants us to be praying? <laughs> no, uh, I don't want to be derogative to people, but sometimes I'm talking about the spirit of praying. It can be formal and it can be like that. Oh, oh God, you know, move in the nations and bless the people, bless the queen and bless the king. You know, we, we find that that's the kind of prayer that we can end up praying. God is not interested in formal prayers from prayer books. Good as they are, unless it comes from the heart. George Whitfield, one of the great preachers of the Great Awakening 300 years ago, the Methodist movement, was desperately seeking salvation. He was so desperate, he started to fast. And he started to recite from the prayer book, prayer after prayer after prayer, until he, he fasted so much that he became ill, so ill. And in desperation, he cried out to God or shouted out, I thirst. And there he had an encounter with God that changed his life. He became born again of the Spirit of God. And his preaching transformed this nation and the Americas. You know, the guys were down the pits, black faces. They came up out of the pits and George Whitfield would meet them as they came out of, of those grimy holes. Black, filthy, swearing, as black as they were, the, the mouths were as black, and he would meet them and start to preach Jesus and the grace and the love of God. And he says, There, the streaks of white came down their faces as they began to cry. And the great cry would come from the crowd as they cried out to the Lord to save them. 
You know, this is real prayer, is passion and desire. Praying with the power of the Holy Spirit, what is that then? Is it, again, Lord, you know, uh, uh, no, it's expectant prayer. When you pray, are you expectant that God will answer you? I can't see many nodding heads. I think it's just, when we pray, do we believe that God is going to answer us? Is our faith strong enough to rise up and say, Lord, I know I'll keep pressing in and praying, but we must have an expectation that there's going to be an answer to what I'm praying. Either yes, no, or wait. But there has to be an expectation, otherwise it's just words. Pray expectantly. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what this is about, I believe. And so um, a wonderful uh, illustration is from... uh, James, he says this, Elijah, or he says, prayers of a righteous person. I've always had trouble with that. A righteous person. I've always thought I'm not righteous. I'm so bad that God's not going to listen to me. I keep failing and falling. Therefore, I'm not righteous. I'm not worthy for God to answer me. So my prayers become, you know, Lord, maybe you'll answer me if you're listening No, that's not expectant prayer. It says the prayer of a righteous man. Well, friends, in Christ, we are righteous. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Your position in Christ is righteous. What has he done? He's clothed us with his righteousness, and therefore we can come boldly to God and pray to him expectantly. Not in ourselves, but in Christ. And we pray expectantly. So, Elijah was a man like us, subject to like passions as we are, but he prayed earnestly that it might not rain on the earth. And it rained not on the earth for a space of three years and six months. Wow, what kind of a prayer was that? It says in the Bible that he got down, crouched down, put his hands in his knees, and he prayed, God, send the rain. There was a drought. And he sent his servant, Gehesi, to go and look. Nothing. So he prayed again. He prayed hard. Lord, send the rain. Go and look. It's expectant prayer. Go and look. And so his servant says, there's a hand the size of a man coming over the horizon. And he prayed again. And the rain came. Let's pray expectantly. Let's pray earnestly. Let's pray believingly. Let's trust God to move. What are you praying for this morning? What boulder is in the way what mountain have you got across through what is the situation that you're facing pray earnestly pray with somebody stand pray amen with all prayer and petition this is ephesians 6 18 pray at all times in the spirit and with this in view be alert and perseverance for all and petition for all the saints pray with all kinds of prayer I tell you something, I pray a lot when I'm in the van. I'm driving along and I'm going, Lord, you know this situation. Lord, bless them. Lord, help them here. We used to call it arrow prayers. Have you ever sent up an hour prayer to the Lord? Lord, help. Sometimes God really answers those prayers. Because they come from your heart, they're coming from a connection with him. And you're connecting with him. Pray with all kinds of prayer, it says, at all times. So keep your arrow prayers going. God loves them. Pray in tongues. That's another one. Do you know something? When I'm praying, 
I'll stop and I'll time myself and I'll do five minutes just preaching in tongues. Right? Practice it. Use your gift. Pray in tongues. There's prayer in the church and there's tongues in the church for interpretation. That's the gift of tongues. But then there's a gift of tongues that we can use in prayer. And a lot of us greatly neglect it because we can't think, what, what, what am I saying? Well, it's not your mind that's praying, it's your spirit that's praying. It's your spirit that's reaching out to God and saying things to God that's deep in your heart that the Holy Spirit is interpreting and ministering and connecting. Use your gift, friends. Pray in tongues and see the difference. Maybe push it a bit further, do 10 minutes. Maybe push it further and do 15 minutes. That is praying in the spirit. And thirdly, keep yourselves in the love of God as you wait for the Lord's return. Keep yourselves in the love of God. There's two things here. God keeps you. We'll give you a scripture for that. 1 Peter 1.5. Who are kept or shielded by the power of God through faith. Right. God shields you. He protects you as you believe and as you're trusting. Okay? You're not like somebody hanging onto the rock and being swept away by the waves. He's got you. You're on the rock. But then there's your part. Okay? Something that you have to do. It's your faith. It's something that you need to cultivate and strengthen and build up. I'm working in Dillorn, up in the hills, up on the common there, doing a Victorian build in the 2018, and we called it the Beast from the East, and it kept coming and coming, and I was on a big chimney trying to fix it. And I was standing up on this chimney, and I could see this snowstorm coming. It was rapidly coming over the hill and down, see it coming. So I took myself in under the chimney. I huddled right in there and it swept over and I was okay. What did I do? I anchored myself into that chimney and put myself in its protection. And I got inside it and it protected me. You know, those who dwell in the shadow of the Almighty, the Bible says, they can say continually, the Lord is my helper. Have you noticed that? It says continually, if you're doing that, you can say the Lord is my helper. Dwell in him. Press into him. When the storm comes, anchor yourself in the love of God. Don't flee off to other loves. That's what it's saying. That's our part. And finally, as we wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to return. What a comfort, friends. What a sobering thought. That should keep us steady, keep us firm. Waiting, expectantly, looking up for our redemption is drawing nigh. We've got such a problem in the world. There's wars and rumours of wars. There is earthquakes and all things are going on. And Jesus said, this will happen as the time draws near for me to come. So let us, friends, not be swept along with the worry and the, whoa, what's happening? Jesus said it would, but he is returning. And that's the great hope for the church this morning. He's coming to rapture the church. Now, we don't hear much about the rapture. The rapture is a fantastic doctrine that a lot of people knock. But that means that there's no, there's no signs for that, for Jesus to come. He could just come at any time for us to take the church to be with himself. And then the events on earth will flow and get into an even deeper problem. Israel will be under attack. The people, the Jewish people will be try to be annihilated by the armies that surround them. 
Armies of 200 million, well, we can see that with, with some of the nations that have got armies that size, that can turn onto Israel and that it will be called Jacob's trouble. And then when Jacob were in trouble and they're surrounded by the armies, it says in one day they will look to him whom they pierced and they will cry out to him and he will come with great power and glory and he will stop it and he will set up his glorious kingdom. And he will rule with the rod of iron. And for a thousand years, Christ will change this world. The lion will lay down with the lamb. And the child will play with the snake pit. That's his kingdom that is to come, David's kingdom. But for us, in the meantime, we're waiting for the rapture for him to take us with him. And when he comes in great power and glory, we will be coming with him, with the angels. Maybe a lot of us don't know this doctrine and you wonder what I'm talking about. You would get to know it. Get to know the word. Get to dwell on Christ and who he is. And that will bring you comfort. That will bring you strength. And that will help you to stand against all this woke rubbish that's devastating the church today. Amen? Amen. Let's just pray. Lord, we thank you this morning. But Lord, maybe we're massaging people's faith this morning and encouraging them. But Lord, thank you that your word has gone out. And that, Lord, it will accomplish that which you've called it to do. That we are to build up our faith. We are to be praying in the Holy Spirit. And we are to be hiding ourselves and keeping ourselves in your love. And we are to be looking to your coming again. So, Lord, infuse your word into your people this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.